question remains, of course, what is the future of strings? Come on, let's talk about it. I'm Tracy Silverman, and thank you for tuning in to the podcast. I gotta say, today is one of those shows where this podcast would not exist. My entire career would not exist <laughs> if it weren't for this guy, Mark Wood. Me and Mark go back an awfully long... I don't want to say how many years... Oh, come on. We should not be ashamed that we've been over 100 years, right? <laughs> it, you know... It feels like it. has it. been combined. Probably has. Well, it was like, I think, what, 80 or 81 when yeah. we first met. Yeah, I was thinking about it. It's exactly 40 years, our 40th anniversary, yeah. Tracy. <laughs> we wow. have to have a party. Actually, the party is this podcast. <laughs> that's that is that's a lot of years, man. Yeah. That's a lot of years. But 40 years ago, yep. I was in a band in the basement. We rehearsed in the basement of a bagel store in Co-op City yep. in the Bronx. And I came in. I came into this progressive rock band that I had just joined and these guys were playing at ear splitting volumes and I show up there with my acoustic violin and a little cube 60 amp with a little Fishman pickup in there you know right right and uh and tried to play and the thing just started howling feeding back and they were like dude there's this guy on Long Island Mark Wood you gotta find him he's got a six string violin with a blade going through the oh, arm with okay. a knife yeah which is right there it's right there on the wall behind oh. you and uh, and so somehow I I found your number through the penny saver I don't know how I got in touch with you yeah. was, this was long before there was any internet a phone book it was a phone book I guess <laughs> I, I, I looked you up and I don't right. think I had a phone number. Somehow it was my parents' phone number because I was living with my parents after that. Yes. Oh, my God. I do remember as you're talking about going into that gnarly basement and meeting you, right? Yeah. I mean, I did visit you there, right? Did you come to the bagel store? Yes, 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 yes. I got some did bagels, went downstairs, and holy moly, man, I couldn't believe this. But I knew that, regardless of what the instrument was, I knew that I was dealing with a different level of musician. Ah, thank you. But, thank but, you and could... Tracy, remember, who else was there? There was nobody that we could bond with. It was just us, man. Yeah. There was no scene, nothing whatsoever. still a novelty. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, 40 years later, it's still sort of a novelty. <laughs> it's still a novelty. But save your stories. I, I didn't, haven't given you yeah. your proper build-up yet. Oh, your right. proper <laughs> intro. We're still, I'm still working on the intro. <laughs> so Mark Wood, the founder of Wood Violins, he's now making for the world, for the rest of the world, the instruments that we were making. He was made for me, my first ones, and we made them together. Now he makes them. He's got his whole business, Wood Violins, cranking out, I don't know, hundreds of these instruments. Um, the Mark Wood Music Foundation, which is... Uh, um, funding all kinds of wonderful nonprofit work that he's doing um, with his Electrify Your Symphony programs in the schools. 
this is uh, an incredible program you've been doing for what, 20 years now or something? Yeah, 23 years. 23 uh, years. And yeah. I can't, I, I, I wonder if you could, if you could, if you know how many string programs you have saved during that time <laughs> with this program. You know, by building, by building the programs, building enthusiasm, building funding, fundraising for the yeah. school programs, doing all the things that it takes to keep uh, kids playing uh, stringed instruments instead of joining the soccer team instead. Uh, and the Mark Wood Rock Orchestra Camp that I have been a part of for years. It's what now, 12 years going on? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, a place where hundreds of misfit string players from all <laughs> over the country get together and can rock out and have a great time and learn from a bunch of amazing teachers that you assemble. Um, long story short, I'm going to cut to the chase here. What you have done single handedly for the world of progressive strings uh, is I don't think there's anybody in this business who has done more for the cause. There, there is not a one of us playing an electric violin today. It doesn't have to be one of your instruments. If you're playing an electric violin, you owe a debt of gratitude to this guy because he put him on the map. You probably wouldn't be playing one if it wasn't for Mark. Oh, Tracy, that is so sweet of you. And let's not get too crazy here. <laughs> because we are talking also, both of us are like sort of these very odd moment in time you yes. know this moment in time where we we were similar age at Juilliard and dealing with that whole scene and then breaking out <clears throat> thank you about the educational program because again you are also very much a part of our team which is everybody is on the um, same uh, motivation and mission to elevate string world yes we all are Yep. I mean, it, you and I could name dozens of, of wonderful uh, alternative, which I hate that term, um, string players. So we're all in it with the same intention. I just stumbled, I, I, and I stumbled on it, Tracy. You know, <laughs> after Juilliard, man, I was like, oh my God, the last thing I want to do is go into a classroom. Right. You know? So <laughs> that really came about uh, very, very much by accident. And if that did not happen at that moment, 22, three years ago, I don't know if I would be really involved with it. Yeah. There was huh. an incident that, that woke me up by walking What's, into a school. What was that? Tell me that story. Well, actually, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra at the time, where we were performing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Awesome. Yep. And uh, uh, we had a, a, an audience of some uh, string uh, orchestra programs in Cleveland. The teacher came up to me. Can you put together a Trans-Siberian Orchestra at my school program? Uh, uh. Sure, man. That sounds cool. I'm not sure if I'm that interested in committing to it. So they flew me out once a month. We developed, we developed instruments. And the second I walked into the classroom, I saw creativity. I saw really engaged kids who had massive imagination. Because first of all, they're not out there making a living. So they don't have to worry about anything. Right. They can dream big. And, right. and that's really the way I live every day of my life. Big dreamer. Yep. And we sort of figure out how to pay our mortgage. Yep. Um, this is, and, by the way, he's not kidding. This is the way Mark was 40 years ago. <laughs> but it was really fun to be around that kind of energy and I fought, fell in love I said this is where we need to be and another thing that you may bring up and I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead please but you and I spoke about this um, years ago and this was on one of your interviews that you did that I remember right when you said it is that we want people not to just ghost guitars but air violin air violin air, air I, violin. 
I remember you right? saying this to me, like in your studio. I can picture it. I'm we're at the workbench at your your dad's right. uh, woodworking shop, and we're working on we're bending metal for the outline of a violin, and 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 you turned to me. And you said, you know what? I don't want I don't want kids to play air guitar. I want them playing air violin. That's what we're doing, right. man. That's what we're doing. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I think I high fived you. And that was like, man, we were blood brothers from yes, that for, moment forever. Yeah, yeah. forty years ago, uh, we really saw this movement. That that you know, again, um, it's easy for us to pat each other on the back, but we cannot forget the historical moment that's happening right now with your yeah. podcast. And think about what has occurred the last 40 years. Because before us, or during us, there was zero zip nothing. Yeah. Except acoustic instruments with pickups on it. And man, when you're competing with a guitar player with a huge stack of Marshalls, forget it. Right, right. There was Barkus Berry. There was Jean-Luc playing a Barkus Berry, basically an acoustic instrument yeah. with a pickup. Four string. Or no, he had a five string. He, he did have a yeah. five, I believe. Um, but nobody was playing a six. Your six string was the first time I had seen that and the logic of it. Since we were both, uh, our goal for both of us at that point was simply to sound like a guitar, right? Right. Or to we, compete. To compete with a guitar. To, yeah, to head do on, what, man. <laughs> <laughs> to do what guitars could do and then go beyond them is what our right. intention was. But we wanted to be able to do everything a guitar could do. And so... Um, you know, we were cranking our instruments and having six strings on that right. instrument to be able to get down to that low, almost the low E of a guitar, the low F, right. first fret of a guitar, was life-changing for me because, it, yeah. you know, there was something about that lower register. It's not just a matter of, oh, being able to play some low lick, you know, or like a solo that dives down low. No, with that low with that low string, you we could now play chords. We could play power chords, broken chords, whatever it was, with a genuine sounding bass note that's in the right register. That's not like something you have to use an octave pedal to occasionally right. just play a bass note here or there, where we could just jump down and have the low notes just like a guitar, play full chords with bass notes in them. Uh, and that's that is a paradigm shift for violinists. I agree. I totally agree. And another moment, Tracy, that we, you really have to absorb is that if you lived on the West Coast, if you lived in L.A., yeah. there's no way that huh. we would have, we would have yeah. bumped into each other. There's just no right. way. Little things like that, yeah. you know, that's unpredictable, that we would not have met. The fact that we are on the East Coast, you were in Yonkers, so that's like, you know, 20 minutes from me. Right. <clears throat> on Long Island, we were able to spend t enough relaxed time together to think about what we were doing, uh, to be excited about that there's somebody else out there. And, you know, Jean-Luc, yeah. Jerry Goodman, Sugarcane Harris, and there were, there were definitely a couple of people that were out there. You and I wanted to do... Um, Again, competing with the guitar players, Jerry Goodman sort of was doing it. Jean-Luc was not interested at all. Right. Jean-Luc was more into the saxophone appeal. Right. But we were, we were virtuosos, man, and we well, wanted to show them. We wanted to rock, and this was the big difference. Right. There had been right. a lot of jazz violinists. Over the years, from going way back to Stuff Smith, Stephen Grappelli. Yeah, Stuff Smith, right. Right, you know, I mean, all those guys back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. But there really had been nobody who had rocked it, really taken a violin and rocked it. And we discovered that with that low F string, you put that thing through a Marshall stack, 
or a Zoom processor or whatever, and you get that guitar sound, and holy cow, your bow suddenly becomes this incredible sustain that guitar players are just like, oh my God, dude, how do you do that? You know, and so we (laughs) quickly realized that, yes, violins can rock. They really can. They can compete. And there with was guitars. no, but Tracer, there was no reference point. These guitar players, these drummers that we were hanging out with, they weren't saying to us, "Oh, play like Jean Luc Ponty." They never right. heard of Jean Luc Ponty. Right. They heard of no violin ever in history except, gosh, who? Uh, it's like Perlman. They would say that right. would be their reference point. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh no, this is not what it's like Perlman's doing, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, sure. as if I, thinking about that time in history again, we have to really understand that the two of us were forging blindly, completely blindly, yeah. Yeah. with the love of music. A lot of R and D going on, trying different things, yeah. trying different shapes, designs, models, all that kind of stuff, um, and, and and being guess- inspired by each other, Tracy. Yes. You yes. know, remember, you know, we're 22, 23, I think, 21. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I was picking up all kinds of tricks from you. You know, you were doing these kind of, you know, Steve Vai kind of stuff yeah. even back then, you know, like Eddie Van Halen. And, you know, and I was kind of more of a Hendrix fan and I was sort right. of doing the feedbacky kind of things and trying to get feedback out of a, a piezo pickup, which is impossible. Um, trying magnetic pickups. I worked for years with a, with a guitar a builder down on 48th Street trying to mm. get him to redesign a, a right. guitar pickup with different length pole pieces. Never worked. It oh, no, I, I know exactly who that guy was. Yeah. The pole pieces were all like this. Yeah. The key yeah. was is that the pole doesn't isn't under the string. It has to be on the side of the string. I was like, oh my God, this is right, like a right. science project. Yeah, because it had to do with like this, you know, a, a, a magnetic pickup picks up the difference from the magnet, not back and cross. Right, right, right. Across right. it, the way a bow moves it. There was all of this stuff that we didn't know anything about. And we were just spending months and hours and money that we didn't have right, developing right. this stuff. But, you know, you're talking, you keep talking about this point in history. And here's the, the interesting thing about that moment that we both saw. We both saw this opportunity. The electric guitar had had been developed you know whatever 30 40 years before that back in uh, um, charlie christian one of the first electric guitars les paul back in the 40s and 50s they had taken an acoustic guitar and electrified it and you know both you and i went like duh somebody (laughs) needs to do that with the with the violin and make a real rock instrument out of an electric violin. why hasn't anybody done this we both like i don't know so let's do it um and it was sort of like we saw an opening in history for us, right? Somebody needed to do this and, you know, and you were doing it. And I, I um, sort of jumped onto your, uh, you know, train that was already in motion. I don't know, you had been doing work, building them for a year or two at that point. Yeah, yeah, but only for myself. I was not interested in building for anybody. I want to be, you know, with, with the hand, with the, with the knife through it. Yeah, <laughs> let's see, let's get a close up of that for our podcast listeners. <laughs> but folks, you'll have to go check out the little bits on YouTube that I have for here. There's all kinds of little pieces and you're going to want to see the violator. This this changed my life, man. <laughs> Look and at that my, thing. My mother was going to call the suicide squad <laughs> after me, man. That's um, so great. But another interesting moment, Tracy, is that remember, Gibson, Fender... Um, the manufacturers of the instruments yeah. 
were never really part of performing of that. Yeah. And in the string world, we had, uh, you know, Amati and Stradivarius, non-players developing and innovating around the players communicating to you. So here you right. and I come along, right. and I just ha happen to, God, be so lucky I have access to a wood shop. And yeah. just enough, just a little bit of experience, and we're talking minute, um, <laughs> that I could cut wood without cutting my thumb off. Right. And... Uh, what was happening, Tracy, was for a moment in time, two musicians were forging the pathway of innovation as yeah. opposed to a manufacturer doing that. And I think that that's, I think about that a lot because <clears throat> we look around the world, how is the world functioning in the music world from saxophones to piano development, from Steinway to guitars to violins, rarely rarely do the, does a musician like you and I, musician become the craftsman yeah you know your expertise and your um exploration into the magnetic pickups into this it was pretty much because no one else was doing it right. so you know what guess what we have to figure it out and um yeah. and you, you know, know what's what's interesting is that throughout this whole process we were both just driven by the sound in our head that we were yeah hearing, yeah I, know? right we knew it was there yeah yeah, you know, uh -huh. like I wanted to get that Hendrix feedback thing, that that magical thing that happens with a magnetic pickup when it, you know, feeds back from an amp uh, right, and right. worked to try to get it. Couldn't make it happen with magnetic pickups just because of the bow thing that I mentioned. Oh, it was so frustrating. Yeah, but I worked for years on it just because, not because I wanted to have what bragging rights or whatever to have a magnet. Who cares what the pickup right, is? Right. I had a sound that I was trying to go for. Uh, right. And, you know, and we were pursuing that and we knew that, you know, we sort of felt that if we, you know, it was just a, a matter of a few months. It was right around the corner and we would have that sound in our hands and the record deals would be just showering yes, right, down right. from the heavens. Yeah, we need us. to sign more rock violin players now. <laughs> no, that did not happen. Uh, well, you know, we it, both sort. Right. Yo, go we, ahead. We figured it out. Obviously, uh, there was a moment in time. But I think, of, of obviously, Tracy, during the time when Randy Rhodes, Van Halen, <clears throat> all these mat guitar players, I was just able to squeeze in there with my record deal and getting in the same room as Eddie Van Halen, in the same room as Dimebag Daryl of Pantera. And yeah. I said, check, and uh, Zach Wilde, who was my favorite guitar player of Ozzy's band. I was like, check this out, man. And I would plug my violin into just his, his Marshall stack and his jaw would hit the floor. I said, what, is, what are you doing, man? So there was awesome. a moment in time. And then, of course, Nirvana came in and ruined everything for us, Virtuoso. <laughs> no one wanted to hear that. Right. Uh, but your, our careers would be doing this yes. for the last 40 years. Yeah. Um, and I'm so proud to continue a great relationship with you. And, and we're just yep. scratching the surface, man. We're just getting started. <laughs> we're just getting started, man. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, Tracy, I know that uh, you, you, I, I want to sort of keep on your schedule. Yes. <clears throat> but I do want to uh, mention a, also a life-changing moment for us. Because when we hooked up, Barkus Berry was really the only pickup. My six strings yeah. and your six string had a viola bridge. One transducer on the side of the bridge. And that was it. My first Voodoo Violence record was that pickup. It was a right? Barkus Berry pickup 
with six strings stuffed on it, stuffed. It, the thing <laughs> crammed, was shaped, crammed into crammed. a little. <laughs> you know, uh, oh no, this one actually, I think I probably have the original pickup on that first record that I did, um, and then to this day we still have his pickups. Is Rich Barbera? Yes. Life changing. I'm sorry, everybody, if you don't understand this, but Barbera's pickup, <laughs> and every time I speak to him on the phone, which is once a week, making wow. orders. I bowed down. I rich. I would not have a career. Tracy, tell me. Yes. Would you have a career without you, that? You turned me on to Rich's pickups. That was one of the first things you said to me. I, I, I can hear your voice. You're like, dude, you got to get rid of this Fishman pickup. Now, no offense but to that Fishman. Was one, it's was, a wonderful pickup for an acoustic instrument. Yeah, yeah. Fishman makes great products. Oh, yes. And Barksberry's awesome, too. Yes. However, what However. we were doing, <laughs> what we were doing at that point uh, Rich Barbera had some magical recipe in those piezo crystals yep. that he was uh, putting in there. And you know what? It's even better now. He's improved it in the last yep. 40 years quite a bit. And, uh, and those pickups are, are kind of magical on electric yeah. instruments. And I don't know if you, I would, I'm telling you, man, I would not be able to go out in public without that pickup. Because yep. with the alternatives are nothing. The alternatives are if you're one PCO. And when you, I have a seven string and you're with your six string, that low string has yeah. to shake the walls, man. <laughs> and if it ain't shaking the walls, it's peeny tiny, right. wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Yep. It's like, no, no, we got to blow these guitars. And that changed my life. And it was 10 years after we met, because uh, I did my voodoo violence in, when I was uh, 31 and eight, uh, 89. So it was seven to eight years after we met that we got the Barbera pickups going. No way! I thought I thought we had you had those right at the beginning. No, no, no. Uh, the time frame is because my first Voodoo Violence came out in '89. Barkus Berry. The next huh. record that I put out, my second record, had the Barberas on there. Okay, and that was well, I misremembered. So, yeah, it's been four yeah. years. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm obsessed with this historical moment. I don't remember and, having any other pickup besides a uh, a Barbera on on yeah, I know. my early instruments, but I guess I, I bow down to Rich every day. He's eccentric and incredible and brilliant. Um, and and what about uh, Diderio strings, which um, we yeah. were doing before Diderio was like the the big yeah too. Well, they were big yeah. guitar string makers, but they weren't doing a lot of orchestral stuff. I don't know if they were doing any back then in the eighties. They might have been, right. uh, but we weren't. We were looking for that low F string. Uh, there was Super Sensitive made a string back then that, uh, or no, the one that we were using back then, the first one was the the octave uh, gauge. Right. Tuned to a G. Right, a G, and octave G that we were tuning down because it wasn't floppy enough as a G. We were tuning it down <laughs> right, to an right. F, and that thing would wiggle like an inch back and forth when you drew, drew a bow across it, and the pitch would go bow. You know? I know. Oh, it drives so nuts. So we were crazy because we were playing all these power chord fifth stuff with distortion yep. uh, and trying to get these, and frets, you know, and trying to get these nice clean fifths. And the thing, every time you played that string, it would just, the pitch would change. Right. So we were out to Diderio strings working with the engineer out there. Um, I don't know, for quite a few years, we would go yeah. out there every <clears throat> two weeks or so. Um, all the way out on Long Island in Suffolk County somewhere, 
and uh, and listen to what he come up with. He would say, "Okay, try this one. I got four strings here this week, and it will be a different core, tungsten core with an aluminum right, one. Right. Here's an aluminum core with a you know whatever alloy winding, and uh, and we would just listen to them and try them, and we'd be like." Eh. Sorry, no, it's still right, doing right, it. It's like, okay, right. okay, I got some. Come back two weeks, we'll try another one. You know, we did this for years. The people yeah. don't realize what they take for granted that, oh, the yeah. electric violin sounds pretty good. Well, it didn't always sound that good. We had a lot of... R&D. We yep. did the R&D, but it, but it was driven by musicians, Tracy. Yes. And that's yeah. something that I talk a lot about <clears throat> because we don't see that in any other industry. Name one industry that's driven by a professional musician because that's our demands. Yep. My demand as a player, I'm not gonna go out in public with some crap pickup or, or instrument. I gotta make sure that this thing is the top of the line. So I think that that's a really important thing that you and I should feel very proud of yeah. is that we were relentless yes. relentless. We yeah, are not gonna can, stop. And you have continued to be. You've got several different models of instruments that have different characteristics for different players and uh, a lot of um, ancillary gear, amps, and pedals that go with with your your whole dynasty of, of <laughs> you know your your industry there. Yeah, um, I drive my workmen crazy. Oh yeah, my God. I bet, man, I bet. And uh, but tell me, tell me a little bit more about this um, Electrify Your Symphony program because this is where the rubber meets the yeah. road for kids. I am. So appreciative of the work you're doing, and and in my the older I get, the more I value I see in what you're doing, what other people are doing to bring, uh, to bring this new string playing to kids. Because it's one thing to try to you know get classical players who've been playing classical all their life to you know oh try an electric oh this is really cool thanks up and they put it in the case and whatever. But right. the kids really want to rock, and they know right. what to do with it. And they're doing stuff that we haven't even thought of doing. They're doing cool hip-hop things on it with contemporary tunes and taking it, doing exactly what I always hoped would happen, is that right. younger people would carry, take the torch and carry it. You yeah. know, we, yep. you know I, I feel like I you know, took it a little bit down the field. You, you've taken it a lot down the field. Um, and you're passing that baton to kids. And uh, this is uh, just an amazing thing. So tell, t tell me and tell us how you're doing that and, and how they're reacting well, to it. The camp, which uh, we are so proud that you're part of our camp, um, yeah. is the epicenter. Not only nationally, but internationally, people come who um, want to expand the way they think. Yes. And I have found that a lot of uh, middle school, high school, and young university students are really perfect for what we're doing. Now, 40 years ago, there's no way that that could occur because it would just be you and me sitting in the same classroom going, <laughs> show me how to rock. Yeah, we're really going to do that at Juilliard Prep. That ain't going to happen. There was nothing yeah, that you and right. I could go to, so we had to forge ahead. And luckily, I found a passion in it, but a, a lot of it is the data, Tracy, that is so disturbing to me and that I'm obsessed with the data. Uh, and I'll, I'll share with you the most recent data, and we are now working with a company that's going to give us more data. And unfortunately, this pandemic has, has really challenged all of our music programs, yeah. and we have shrunk even smaller. But the, the uh, data of last year is that 24% of high school students participate in the music program. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, that's cool. 13% <clears throat> do choir, 11% mm -hmm. do band, 
and 2% do wow. orchestra. And right, right? That's my, re my reaction is wow. Whenever I sort of share that, it sort of goes over people's head. You don't realize how fragile we are more than ever. I mean, I started 23 years ago. There was a lot more robust programs and support. Now we are up against uh, this. Yeah, the, <laughs> the smartphone. That's yep. what we're up against. Forget about the soccer and competing with the band. Every kid is now of this new generation, which is very exciting because there's a lot of technology and a lot of innovation occurring around this stuff that we're taking advantage of. But what we're missing out is, of course, mastery of an instrument, first off. And the second thing is mastery of this. <laughs> the bow. That no other instrument has. The flute can't use it, a, a clarinet can't use it. And I was thinking about it the other day, other than uh, Jeffro Tull, name a rock clarinet player. <laughs> but you and I can actually name a rock bassoon player. Yeah, right? yes, we can. Right, pa Paul? Paul Hansen. Yeah, oh, I yeah. just saw him a year ago with Billy Cobham, and he's yeah. awesome. Oh, my God, yeah. So there's one rock bassoon player. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and we're, we're not talking about jazz. I mean, Paul's sort of more jazz, but yeah. a rock clarinet player, unheard of. So the, I believe, like you believe, that the string world is cousins to the guitar. Yeah. More as equal as cousins to the Vivaldi classical era, our instrument can do so much. And when I work with young students, I don't tell them, well, listen, you're not going to be able to do much with this instrument. You know, sorry, you're only going to be playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And you're going to be able to do a couple of concerts. And, and, and another data, of course, which, which um, really um, focuses my life is that 85% of string players graduating high school drop it and never play again. Yeah. So all of a sudden you've, you've invested all this time in Suzuki lessons and private lessons and orchestra, and you're playing pretty good at level four. Right. And then you never play again. So yeah. I think that that data is the most frightening and it's going to get worse. And unfortunately, we can't rely 100% on the classical uh, academia world to save it. They've yeah. been in charge for hundreds of years. And I'm sorry that we've lost the focus on the ball. We are not just string teachers. We're not just musicians. We're salesmen, mm -hmm. you know. Come, listen to our music. What? Why should I listen to you? Well, I need you to listen to it because check this out. So we have to pull them into our room. You know, as they walk by the orchestra room, as they walk by um, our lives as audience members, I, what do I need to hear an orchestra for? What, if you're playing violin, oh, I'm not interested in violin. When I started go around the time when we hooked up, I would answer ads for lead guitar players like you did. Mm -hmm. And we would show up and they would see my violin and said, we don't want a fiddle. No, they call me a fiddler. Right. It's like, no, no, I'm not a fiddler. And it would be a real big stumbling block for us to walk into that room as peers with the guitar, lead guitar right. players. Right. And then at that one point, I just said, well, I'm not going to walk in. I'm going to hide the case, <laughs> figure out a way to jump out with my hand violin with a knife through it. I'll make the craziest instrument that will just bow. And of course, that was the way in. Right. But then, of course, you're thinking, oh, there are going to be millions of people who are going to be interested in playing electric violin. It was been, it's been challenging to get that ball moving, but yeah. you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're not giving up Tracy. No, but you know, I mean, it's, it's happening. The future that you were imagining, we were imagining 40 years ago yeah. is here. There are yes, millions of kids now. There are literally at least probably thousands 
of yeah. of kids playing electric violins. Most of them playing vipers. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them playing your instruments. A lot of them. A lot of them. And so let me ask you something. What? Why do you think it is that there's so much uh, dropout um, that happens with among string players that they either don't um, at a middle school, they don't join the high school orchestra or they go through right. and then at a certain point they just leave it and go on with their lives. What, why is that more of an issue, do you think? for string players than for, let's say, guitar players. Right, right. And that's the example I constantly use when teachers say to me, oh, they're just not interested in the music or they're not, you know, they're dropping it because of this and this and this. I said, the guitar player down the block who's playing six hours a day is not complaining about that. And there's a reason why that, of course, I'm so hyper uber like you are. Why, why, why is this happening? Oh, I know why. So... What we have found is that looking at our industry as string players, and one industry that's very interesting, that's very, very um, big and vibrant is the fiddle world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a fiddler. I wouldn't necessarily, I think you're wonderful. You can sort of get around not that music. Fiddler. Mark O'Connor, though, fiddler. is a monster, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yet he didn't go to Juilliard. He didn't go through this traditional academia like we did. Right. And there's a whole movement, bluegrass, there are competitions. I mean, it's just there's a huge world that yeah. these fiddlers do not go through the traditional string programs at the school. Yeah. Sometimes they bump into each other, but it's very different. Uh, the, the rules are very, as conservative as the classic world, as the fiddle world. But when I used to teach him, when you and I used to teach at Mark O'Connor's fiddle camp, we'd be hanging with the fiddlers. Yeah. And there were a couple of people who really loved the rock stuff that we were doing. And Mark was just so gracious and lovely to really allow us to come in. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's one of the magical things of that whole um, yeah. Mark O'Connor Camps was the variety of players that he would bring. Oh, together. he was just and still <laughs> continues to be a wonderful leader uh, yeah. that we re- uh, revere so yes. much. Um, but now it's it's even more difficult because um, <clears throat> the amount of string players who are playing in this world, right, through string play, uh, string programs, middle school and high school orchestra programs, right, hundreds of thousands of players uh, nationwide. More than guitar players, by the way. There are more kids who play a bowed instrument between the ages of 10, 8 years old to about 15 than there are guitar players. No way. Yes. Wow. And um, that's an interesting phenomenon. So I'm like thinking to myself, oh, this is a no-brainer. This is a perfect way. Let's go to these schools. Let's inspire right. them to plug in. Well, I'm, I'm really and interested. And then there's a big... Um, in this idea that as we're tra- young banging on the door 25 to 23 years ago, Asta was very, very the classical. Um, uh, let's just say they were not as encouraging when I first came into Asta, and I've been on the board of Asta. I'm a big fan, and I will always be supportive of Asta. But back then, yeah. they really looked at us, including you, as the outcast. Yeah. Uh, so the door that we needed to go into to inspire and motivate was locked. And we had bang on that door, and occasionally a teacher would open it up a crack. Okay, okay, yeah, you're doing something cool. And the second that you and I said, oh, we were trained at Juilliard. Oh, okay, that's a little, we'll open it a little more. So (laughs) without that camaraderie 23 years ago, and still to this day, uh, if your question to me is what percentage of the string programs we're able to activate with our cutting edge from strumboing to my stuff, um, it's a small percentage. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really interested um, in this idea that 
young string players are not as interested in playing the classical repertoire, you know, right, Vivaldi right. Well, and Bach and Suzuki, yeah. Gavats and, you know, things like that, as they are in playing, you know, an Anderson Pack tune or Bruno Mars or whatever, you know, tunes that... Or Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Or, 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 or your right. music or my music. Remember, yeah. we're both composers. So when we work with schools, when you work with schools and you're introducing a lot of your repertoire also, like I am, it's very important that we have living composers... Yes, in that room. But you know, this idea of of playing music that's a part of our culture uh, is something that I I find myself constantly talking about to string players um, because it didn't used to be this way. You know, when right. Mozart was writing and and every almost every piece of classical master a masterpiece of the classical literature was written in its own time and place in the style the Viennese style of Mozart or the you know style that Bach was writing in Vivaldi and in the in the in the Baroque era um, they were writing in styles that were contemporary to that 30 40 period you know uh, period of, of right. years um, in that location the Italian sound the French sound the German sound whatever it was it was localized and to, uh, to that time period, and string players are not doing that. We are in the U.S. and our and our music is, you know, pop music, um, rock, hip hop, whatever our pop music is, which is a crazy combination of a lot of different things. But it's the stuff kids listen to. It's the tunes that are they're covering on TikTok and stuff like right. that. That's the music of our culture. That's the music that non-string players play in school. Right, right. And that uh, string players throughout history have always played that music in their own way until the 20th century when string players play music that's 100, 300, 200, and 300 remember, years old. And improvising was common with cadenzas. Yes. Right? Yes. And reading charts, reading right. figured bass, you know, they knew how to read charts. Uh, and improvising, all of that kind of stuff, um, knowing the style and being fluent in the musical style of your day. That alone just having getting string players to be able to be fluent in the musical style of our time yeah the pop music of our time is completely not a part of any conservatory string curriculum. training curriculum yeah yep. yep however Electrify Your Symphony is bringing that music <laughs> to kids, to young We're kids. terrorizing everybody. And getting them started in the right way, which is instead of turning, get, putting them in a position where they have to, you know, get into something that's 300 years old that none of their friends are going to really like naturally. Right. I mean, they might develop a taste for it. And don't get me wrong, I love classical music. I was brought up on classical music. But... My, none of my friends knew what a Sibelius violin concerto was. You know, they were all into, you know, Led Zepp or Hendrix right, or whatever. Right. That's the music we want as musicians. We want to be able to communicate with our friends. We want to be cool. We want to play something our friends are going to think is cool. It's as simple as that. Yes, and you are but, providing and, that for people. Well, thank you. And so are you, by the way. Your your new book is just astounding and it's critically important to thank our you. new pedagogical thinking. Um, yeah. But remember, when you and I were that age and, yeah. and we were absorbing not only our great classical repertoire, because you and I are both huge Stravinsky, yeah. Brahms, 
huge fan still to this day. I listen to classical music when I'm working, yep. not composing, but when I'm doing emails and stuff, I listen to classical music. And when I'm flying on airplanes, I only listen to classical music. It calls <laughs> really? me down. Um, but when we were going, growing up, man, when we heard Cashmere, when we yeah. heard Jimi Hendrix, come on, Tracy. Yeah. When you heard Jimi Hendrix, you didn't go, this is the music of our generation. I need to listen to it because it's, it's, it's part of our... No, we heard it music that gave us goosebumps that just... We, our jaw hit the floor of string players. And not once, by the way, not once did you and I... And they would say to me, Mark, why don't you just play guitar? Right. <laughs> what, what are you doing with this silly bowed instrument, How many man? times did people tell me, why don't you just play just a guitar? Play a guitar? <laughs> Well, Mark and I continued to stroll down memory lane for about another half hour, so I decided to break it into two podcast episodes. So be sure and tune into part two of the Mark Wood episode, where Mark demonstrates some heavy metal violin and plays our quiz to find out how much he knows about real vipers. Thanks for listening. If you want to stay in touch, please join the For the Greater Groove Facebook group. See ya. Groove on. <laughs>